I'm Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm Aaron Jeffrey. I'm Jasmine Jasmus. I'm Mike Malak. I'm Rafael Stop. Tune into Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. John Jones. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. To me, the Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their I got a really high fight IQ. For this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. I levels to the shit. So many high level guys. So like the line is crazy. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, no, we're good. See, he's a pro. All right, don't tap podcast. We are back, and it's three of us. The, the trio is here. We're we're digging into the next card coming up. Where we have Salt Lake City. But we have Billy Briz. Billy, what, what, what's going on, man? You're on a move right now? What's going on? Yeah, with this? man, we're on a move, man. Out of South Jersey we go. And uh, the Beckley, West Virginia, man, that's going to be the home and the destination here for the next couple of months up until uh, around Christmas time. So uh, time to put the head down, get to work. As long as it's got FanDuel, DraftKings, and BetMGM, we'll make anything work anywhere around the world. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Nick, welcome back. Welcome back. Who's Lance Carter? Onyx or Vince Carter? Nick, Nick Eagle breakdowns, motherfucker. Let's go. If we need them back in the mix, um, we've been holding the fort down pretty solidly. My early leads and locks have been fucking loaded, but I need some of your breakdowns. I need some of your edges, and I need you to sort of keep me straight on some plays, man. So, um, how you been? How was the trip? Talk to us. Yeah, it was good, man. I was good. I said, I, had, uh, I, had, uh, I headed out to the East Coast of Canada, man. Stayed out there for about a week. Down there with my mom and some family and shit, my brother's girl, and it was good. And then, you know, Ironically enough, man, we left at a good time because they're getting flooded now, man. People are going missing. We literally, the weather started getting bad, man. And we're like, we're going to drive home. My girl and I, Katie, <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to stay at a hotel. It's our last day. And we're like, fuck it. It's 15 hours. Let's just fucking put the pedal. We drove home, left at noon, go home like four in the morning. But now, man, yeah, in Halifax and like Lunenburg, where we were, they're getting straight flooding. Man. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware. I'm so out of the loop with things. I try to just stay off the news cycle because it's depressing for the most part. But yeah, um, I do have family down in Cape Breton, so maybe I should possibly. Uh, well, I want to reach out, man. It's, I don't think it's this far, there, man. It's more like Lunenburg, like Peggy's Cove area, but anywhere Oceanside there, man, they're getting hit really bad. So UFC might be hitting hit, hitting down there uh, sometime soon. A, a horrible transition. Um, but we have, <laughs> <laughs> but we have, I know John Anik was talking about Halifax maybe being a target and even maybe having Malak who went down to university down there, that may be him as a headliner for fight night. Um, and if he's talking about it, or at least putting it out there in the air, then obviously, you know, it has a little bit of legs anyways. But um, let's, uh, I mean, we could look back, but I mean, it's just another one and another one and another one. Um, no, not for me, man. Last week was by far uh, one of my uh, down cards of the year. Yeah, we're moving, but that's no excuse for going one and four. I was here talking about Molly Meatballs, and Molly Meatballs did not look good. I mean, shit, if it wasn't for Chris Duncan, man, we'd probably be under the bridge asking for milk money today. Like when you're in that position, even I know, and I'm not a jujitsu practitioner, as I can't even say it. Um, like when you have someone grabbing at your arm and you're in top position, you're grabbing your own wrist to hold that position and lock that arm up. And then you're leading your shoulder down deep into them to get that pressure off the arm. You're not rolling out and giving her the arm bar. Um, yeah, but I, I, I felt like I set myself up for that. You don't parlay women's MMA. You don't parlay heavyweight MMA. And that was the fucking parlay last week was the co-main, the main event. But uh, shouts to my man, Cal. Cal put us on that Paul Craig, Paul Craig Juju plus 188. That was some good money. I mean, if it wasn't for your picks last week, man, I definitely would have uh, salvaged a little bit of money. Uh, I think uh, we didn't fully talk about it, but we talked about leaning on the side of parking, ended up taking that one by decision plus 700. I mean, there were some good tickets last week, but it was just the uh, the parlays, man. The parlays are what get people straight bets are what keeps the account okay, but the parlays are what people really need to, uh, you know, Go on vacations, go on trips. Everybody wants that big old seven leg parlay that goes on Arowani show. And I have that. Really, plus how did you score of- the Davy Grant fight? I gotta know because Calum and I have gone back and forth on this one. I, I rewatched it. I rewatched it. I, so live on the stream, I said Davy Grant's gonna get his hand raised, but the way Marcos finished out the third round, man, you can't deny it. I mean, uh. The image of each fighter, I forget what they call it. Uh, damn, I'm drawing the blank on the word. But Davy Grant looked like he'd been in the war. Marcos looked like he was in a sparring session. 
that's who should, that I think the right deserve winner one. I think that partially played a role. I think the like it, I know it was volume versus damage, and then the damage perception was one way or another. And really, it was such a close fight. I think it's if you're holding a ticket on either side, you could make an argument either way. But I just think the, what I was watching that second and third round, you see Marcos just landing a higher percentage of what he's actually throwing versus Davy Grant missing a lot, man, not landing and, and he's missing off the shoulders. And and someone who I really respect in, in the highest level of the space is, is Kenny Florian. Kenny Florian saw exactly the same thing. Davy Grant wasn't landing all those shots. He was trying to knock on the door to, to actually land a big shot and he was missing quite a bit, but I still like, I wouldn't have felt like it was a robbery if it went the other way. I think it was either, or I know the first round is definitely not Marcos. Um, but I wasn't. That wasn't a heavy one for me. We hit the decision plus two hundred. Yay! Don't tap podcast. But I get it if you're on the other side and you're pissed off. And that's well. I'm not mad. And here's the thing. And then we'll move on from this. What I'm mad about is the fact that it came down to the first round that they scored for Marcos. Yeah, that's bad. It came down to the first and the third, and the most clear round of that fight was the first round to Davy Grant, in my opinion, because Marcos landed zero headshots that whole round. It didn't even look like he was in that fight in the first round, and they somehow scored that to him. him. But then. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, it's just I'm sorry no, because it. of the judges' scorecards. I had no. But it's a good spread play. Time. It's a good spread play in retrospect, right? Ever. Okay, so now that we've looked back and sort of you know reminisced and and reconnected and reconvened and and ready to go, let's take a look at UFC Salt Lake City. Um, man, this is going to be. There's some pretty good spots on here actually. Even potentially some parlays out there as well too. I already put one out there as well. We'll talk about that. As Billy's saying, do not parlay up women's MMA. I'm parlaying up women's MMA. Um, Miranda Mavericks are riding this week. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm telling you straight up. Um, but uh, you know what? I'll let you guys get into it first. Let, let, let's let Nick. You're back. It's been a little while. Come in with your first spot. Come in with your best spot. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Yeah, so, well, it's not my best spot on the card, but let's start this off with the first fight of the night, man. I'm really Fair. fucking high on Matthew Selmulsberger in this spot, man. I think you're Medic, man. I don't trust anybody from Alaska FC. He came <laughs> in. I'm just being honest, man. Like, it's everybody talks about it, man. It's true. Like, it's literally the numbers right behind it, man. Out of the bar, man. Like, there is there's legit facts. Like, if you watch an Alaska FC card, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Some greasy shit. But, um, yeah, man, I think he just has Euros mashed everywhere in the spot. Like, Euros comes in, he lands like eight strikes per minute, but he just comes in guns blazing. I don't find him to be that technical. Yeah, I just think that Euros Magic is outmashed completely in this fight, man. I think that, um, <laughs> I think that Matthew Samuelsberg is going to be able to land takedowns in the spot, man. Although he's not a big takedown artist, Euros Magic has zero takedown defense. I think he's the more clean Chris Stryker. And I think all he has to do is extend this fight, man. Because if Euros Medic can't get you out of there, he finds himself in a world of hurt. Um, his only loss is to Jalen Turner. But other than his win over Omar Morales, he's really faced abysmal competition. So I think on a card that has a lot of, you know, chalky favorites, I think Sumblesburg is a favorite that's playable at a decent line. What do you feel about maybe even looking at, like for some people that might be a little bit hesitant, but maybe are interested in what you're talking about, maybe looking at like a live bet? Uh, Semmelsberger, look after that first round, see if Medic just sort of pressed forward with a little bit of pressure. I think you take it a step further, man. I mean, Medic has only been to added nine total fights. He's only experienced, he's never experienced a third round. So that just screams Smellsberger 3D, like round three decision. Yeah. No, it's true. But even then, because like, with Medic's man, the way he throws wild, like I can see Semmelsberger getting out of there. Remember in his last fight against Jake Matthews, or I don't think it was the last fight. But... <laughs> no, 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 that fight was crazy. Though. Yeah, man. He <laughs> Matthews down like six bad. times. So I don't think Medic has that durability, man. Like, as I said, like he's never really shown, not that he's been in a position to not show it, but he got finished by Jalen Turner fairly quickly. That's Jalen and... Turner, dude. Jalen Turner's Jack. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying if we had, that's the only comparable thing we have. I think Smellsberger probably knocks him out. I think there's a red flag though for Smellsberger's lack of finishing ability. There's been often times where he'll stun a fighter, but not finish the job. I mean, he's been to decision in his last four fights and it does not feel like it at all. Like it feels <laughs> like he's fair. smoking these people, but he's just going to you. He's just winning by you name decision, you name decision. I think a lot of chalky, I think a lot of chalk is going to come in on that under two and a half. And uh, the way these bookies have been playing these fights a little bit, uh, 
you think it goes one way, but it's going to go the other. Everybody's betting the under two and a half. Well, this is going to be the fight that goes over. Like, it's just weird things like that. So I kind of want to see where the line movement comes in. But I, I like Smellsberger pick. But, man, it feels like a you-name decision spot. I mean, Medic moving up a weight class, you might see a more relaxed version of him. But, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Smellsberger for the part of this this week. And what's uh, Smellsberger's money line right now? Minus 140. Minus 140. I mean, I, I think that's just better. Just I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna look at both of you and, and look at everything that you've talked about. And I would say the money line is probably just the best way to look at it. I think it's the safest um, way to approach. I would. Fight. I don't know if I parlay Semmelsberger, but the only advantage of doing that is if you do like a prelim parlay, like an early parlay, or even a two piece early, then you know you have room to recoup if it doesn't land. Thoughts? Anyone? Anyone? Billy. I agree. Just laying chalk on Smellsburger, though historically just doesn't seem possible. So then maybe you do look at that live. I mean, either way, um, Nick has, is going to have his play on it, but I think that we're definitely looking at Selmsberger as the, the line, and then there's definitely a multiple different ways to look at it. I like do like that third-round decision. But, I mean, maybe you look at fight starts round three, what that line will be like. Does that line have value? Something along those lines, um, depending if you don't have a, uh, you know, a, a horse in the race in this one. So, um, Billy, I will let you take it away on your – lead play uh my first my best play and first play of the card man i've been waiting all fucking summer for this fight and uh i got a lot of insight on this fight um it might not be for the light heavyweight title but damn man that makes it even better for me i'm going with el Pator. alex Pereira is about to smash jan blahovich in this spot, this is the best spot on the card. This is the even though the BMF is on this card, the baddest motherfucker on this card is Alex Pereira, and there's no questions asked about that. He lands 5.23 strikes per minute compared to Jan Blachowicz's 3.41. And let's really look at Jan Blachowicz's run real quick. I mean, yeah, he won the lightweight title in 2020 over Dominic Reyes, but look at Dominic Reyes, man. He's on a four-fight losing streak. He's been finishing all of his last three fights. Following that, he fought fucking skinny-ass Israel Adesanya at light heavyweight and was the fight was damn near even up until they said, hey, Jan, you're a black belt in wrestling. Wrestle him. And then he secures the rounds. All right. Good job. So then he goes out there in his next fight, gets submitted by 42-year-old Glover Teixeira, and then he gets lucky as hell with the uh, Ankalaya fight going to a draw, and then a win over Ratchik with a leg injury. Why is he the favorite? Why are people betting Jan Bohovich? I'm telling you, the UFC script is Alex Pereira is going to knock this man the fuck out, shut off his lights, and then you're going to see Israel Adesanya, Alex Pereira, number three, Two belts on the line because Alex Pereira is going to smoke Jan Bohovic. It's my most confident spot of the card. Um, I'm going to be taking a little bit of Alex Pereira, no decision action. Uh, so that's minus 120. So basically if the fight goes to the judges' scorecards, you get your money back. And Alex Pereira rounds one, round two, knockout. I think it's going to be a short, easy night. He's been in Salt Lake City for a couple of months now. I mean, uh, you know I got the insight. The lawyer, uh, Alex Pereira's lawyer is the homie. I uh, had lunch with him a couple weeks ago. He said, this is the one. So uh, he he owed me one for the under two and a half in the Randy Brown fight. Then I got the Sean Strickland W. So now this is the one that's supposed to put me over here. I think Alex Pereira is going to knock this man out. I can't say it enough. Um, Alex Pereira is the best bet of the card. That's the baddest motherfucker on this card. And, well, I am – I'm seeing what you're what you're saying 100% because initially when I started to look at this fight, I was actually on the on Blahovic side. I was on potentially a mix-up of some wrestling, a mix-up of some striking, um, and him just being the more well-rounded guy. And a lot of people, like at minus 114, I was looking at Jan. I was looking at that as the line I wanted to touch and put it out there. Didn't even get it out there in time, and it already started to move because everybody is on this wrestling narrative. And so I'm going to lay out some numbers to you. Jan Blahovic has not landed a takedown in three fights. Before that, he landed a couple takedowns in a couple fights. And then prior to that, he hadn't thrown a take or landed a takedown five fights in a row. If you look at all of his stats, there is multiple times where he's not even landing takedowns. There's not, he's not, he likes to stand up. Um, the only thing that's a little bit of a caveat to that, when he fought out of Sonya, he gets three takedowns. When he fought Cannoneer, um, he gets four takedowns. So against people who are high level um, strikers with threats, 
he has gone that route. So it does sort of throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into that whole no takedown um, shot. So you don't really, it's really hard to see where this goes. Um, I just think that the most value on this line, and, and it's not even out yet, but I just think it's going to be there because some love's coming in on Jan. It's going to be that spread, man, at plus three and a half. Because I think if it goes to the judges' scorecards, you may see a couple takedowns if Jan does take that approach. But does he hold Alex down there? I don't think so. I think he's getting better with every camp. So if he's standing on the feet for length of time, he has a chance to either land some damage and potentially win a round or get that KO. And I know that it takes some value out of the KO prop, but at the same time, that's one of my top plays of the week. I'm going to lay that one in because I looked at the, the idea of the takedown from Jan, and I just, it's there, but like, how good is it? And as we've let Alex Pereira get better and better, I know he was taken down by Michaelitis. Um, I get that uh, twice. I, I understand it. I, I fully get it. Pereira as well, too. But I just think he's yeah, only going to get you better, better. Take now he's up away and he's strong as fuck, weeks after His strength is going to be heavyweight fight. What's that? My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was saying Alex Pereira got taken down by Mikolaitis after he fought two weeks ago in a fucking glory kickboxing title fight. So, like, I yeah. won't knock him down too much for it. I mean, if you look at the wrestling that him and Glover are doing, Glover's his full-time trainer now. Before, they used to switch off camp to camp of who was going to train who, who was going to train who. Now it's Glover 100% committed to Alex Pereira's wrestling day in and day out. Um, I think he's getting better fight by fight by fight, and uh, it's all going to come together. Do you know how much weight he was cutting to make 185? It was ridiculous. He was walking into – he would have to start cutting weight the month ahead of the fight at 230, 225, 235. Now he's cutting down to 205. I think a lot of people are sleeping on how big Alex Pereira really is. He fought at light heavyweight and glory kickboxing. He was a two-division champ over there. I think it's going to transfer over here into the UFC nice and calmly. And uh, you're telling me, Cal. Adesanya, Pereira, three, light heavyweight, two belts on the line. That's what sells in the UFC, man. Not Jan Bohovic's boring ass in a, uh, <laughs> another title Mr. fight. Mr. Narrative strikes again. Mr. Mr. Storyline. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Nick? Any any takes on this? Do you have an angle on this? What's your your input, bud? To be honest, if whenever I saw this line, or whenever I saw this fight get announced, I thought Pereira would be like a minus 200 favorite. And I was like, oh, at that value, I'm going to take on Blahovich before the drops alliance. Now that the lines have been out, like, I personally don't see value either side. Like, I think that it's a high versatile fight. And, like, Alex Perry moving up, as Billy said, like, he comes in huge. But that being said, you know, with his experience, like, if Yon could land a takedown, I personally lean the side of Alex. I think it is the way, and I think I'll probably look stupid not putting a bunch of money on it. I think he probably KOs him in under two rounds. Um, I just think Jan's old, but it's just, and you know, you watch an easy fight and it's kind of like, like, what do you, you know, could he do the same thing to Pereira? But I said, man, the same size. So I think this is like a live and learn fight type of thing, right? We'll see what Alex Pereira really looks like. Cause if he walks right through Jan, he's heading ready for, uh, he's heading he right walks for through Jan, We're never getting plus money on him again at this weight class. Well, I'm not see, saying my thing is, that's why I do like, that's why I do like that spread play. Where I'm gonna like throw like 200 bucks at the plus 100 and be like, oh, this is gonna hit for sure. Because if Jan walks in, shoots a double leg, and Alex Perez on his ass for five minutes, this fight's at altitude, which is something we should address early. Oh, All we these will. motherfuckers are gonna be gas going into the third round. So if Jan could literally just take him down and lay on top of him, I don't trust his gas tank. You know, to be there. Yon did talk. Yon did talk on, and I mean, talk is talk. He could be throwing out a bunch of bullshit just as a smokescreen. But on the on the Bisbing's podcast, he did say he wants to try to try his his hat at the stand up. Um, well, my thing is, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to hold him down though, man. I think Pereira is so big, he's so strong, and he does have Glover on top of him regularly. So I just think there's a there's a, a chance that he's on the feet for a length of time. And him at an upper weight class not having to cut with that power, I just think if he touches him, it's either going to look real bad at the judges and he's going to either win a round and or that KO. And I think we'll just cap it right there. Um, I know Billy's head on. I agree with Cal, man. Let's go back to about two weeks ago. Fucking Glover Teixeira on that uh, UFC Fight Pass Invitational card. He was running through on the ground like that. Just because Glover reti- Glover Teixeira retired in MMA doesn't mean he's not putting in the work every day on the ground. And, man, he looked damn near as best as ever with the gray beard out there on that uh, UFC fight pass and invitational. On, uh, that, that was only a couple weeks ago, man. 
I said, don't get me wrong, man. I, I'm on both of you guys' side. I think Alex wins. It's just I want to see him at like, – like I'm the type of gambler where like I like to be a little bit more confident going in. And it's just for me personally, I see some red flags on both sides. And the line isn't wide enough where I feel like I'm getting enough on each side. But, you but Nick, I mean? do you see the three of us when we go through a card, usually there's two people on one side and one on the other in almost everything that we pick. And what that does is it draws out all the shit and it like lays things out exactly where it should be and gives people at least a couple looks and some variables. So it's fucking brilliant because sometimes you guys are on the side against me. Like I imagine you both would have been all over me about Paul Craig last week if it was just the two of you. Or I know I think even Billy was sort of leaning that way too when I was talking. But I, I mean, just I, I wasn't going to argue. It. I was I could put money on it, but I couldn't argue it. Then I was down money. I was like, you know what, Cal's hot tonight. I'm tailing it. <laughs> I'm going to lean into my play of the week. I'm going to go with uh, the, the man. I'm going to go with Thompson, man. I think uh, it, it's a little bit silly with everything that we're looking at in this one. And the line's moving in the direction that I like. Um, Thompson opened up at a, a minus 225 um, and minus 195 roughly in different books. And now it's currently sitting at minus 175 to minus 160. Um, for me, it's a level of competition. It's the five-round experience. It's the cardio at altitude in Salt Lake. It's um, Pereira basically wasting movement. And I know that he's, he's measured things at times, but he's measured that with wrestling. So either wrestling or his crazy Capoeira style where he flips and does crazy stuff or tries to land the Superman punch on, on um, Thompson that, that was the only KO he's ever received. Whatever it is he's going to try to do is only, I think, going to exacerbate you know, his, his cardio. And I think his cardio, cardio was an issue in Salt Lake last time. It was definite. There was guys, you know, hands down on their knees. Um, shout out to, uh, I think it's Hey Jive Picks, um, or he may even acknowledging he put out a reel for it. And I was like, yeah, shit, it's in Salt Lake. Got to really dig into that cardio and, and look at this. So I just think Thompson's going to be able to outpoint him. And if you look at, like, I, I think people are looking at takedowns potentially, right? Does Pereira land some takedowns? He lands one or two takedowns a fight. Um, but let's look at who, like, with, with, one second, I can't even fucking see. I'm gonna have to pause here because I have so much written down. Um, although he has been taken like so with with uh, Thompson, he's been taken out twelve times in his last three fights. But that's to Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad, and Kevin Holland, right on the feet. This is gonna play out on the feet predominantly most of the way through. But Thompson does tend to give up a round. So if he does give up a round, my play on this card is you come in at either minus 175, minus 160, whatever you get money line on Thompson, and then look at that spread for Pereira because Pereira could win a round and or get the view that, that what everybody might look at as a late KO that everybody wants to talk about. I heard people talking about this already, which is crazy to me. But um, I think Thompson rides here. I think that, uh, you, you know, with 10 of, the, 10 of his 14 fights have gone to decision, and he's won six of 10 of them. So I even like looking at the potential for decision prop. I just think there's this is a levels game. And I think there's a, this is a, one of those transition points where you have a guy that's at the highest level and a guy that's just sort of knocking on that door. And I don't think he's quite there. And I think Thompson's just going to expose him, pick him apart um, for three rounds and or even maybe get a late finish, man, because Pereira just he's been fight IQ is an issue. Cardio has been an issue. And this is a perfect situation to just fade the shit out of him and go with a guy that you can trust in, in the vet. So. I'm with Thompson on this one. I already have a parlay out there that we'll talk about at the end, but I do like that sort of hedge with the spread at plus 3.5 for Pereira because he could steal around with a little bit of wrestling. On top of that, I mean, the KO's there, but I just don't see that happening. What do you guys think? I like Thompson a lot too, man. I think at this point in his career, the UFC kind of did him dirty for a couple of fights, giving him strong wrestlers. And I think they're probably just going to give him favorable matchups. The public doesn't necessarily agree on this one with you because he opened a minus 230 and it says closing range is around minus 145. So if you're going to hit the Thompson line, I would probably wait and see in what direction it went. But I think those are people just searching for value based on some of his recent losses. As you said, cardio is going to be an issue for Pereira. Uh, and I think that um, Thompson's just going to be the much better striker. And in the areas where he can, you know, take advantage of Thompson, as you said, he may land a takedown or two. But, like, in reality, the people that are taking down Thompson were, like, high-level grapplers. And that's not how I classify him. His striking's unorthodox. And, you know, those are the types of fights where Thompson just capitalizes on. Those counters are going to be there all day because he'll run head towards you. You're in the big cage. Thompson can dance around. I think this is his fight to lose. Like, I think this is, like, probably one of the most perfect stylistic fights for him. Yeah, I, I just uh, 
I sort of one thing that I'm starting to learn is when I feel like I'm on the other side of a pick, that's usually when I end up winning. I, I, the spots that I'm, I'm because we're only doing three spots. Don't get me wrong. If you have that that angle on like the full fight card and we're going through it, I'm not winning that that clip. We're getting to isolate these three spots, and I, I'm sort of finding these spots where I'm on the other side, like like a Paul Craig, or whatever else, and just seeing these little edges. I could blow up this week, right? It's been a, it's been pretty solid the last couple of weeks, and that that's the name of the game. But just right now, I'm just seeing these early looks. I'm trusting my instincts since the switch. That's what I've been doing those Sunday early leans, and I just see uh, Thompson just being able to to scoot off of those takedowns and uh, really just get the job done in this one. Then I would have to disagree with you guys here, man. I hate to be the devil's advocate, but um, looking at the line on this fight, I mean, I think the values on uh, Michelle Pereira here is just uh, just his fighting style and some of the antics. I just don't like betting on people with I know that they have have the history of doing a backflip inside of a cage at any possible moment. Uh, that's not the business I really want to get into betting. But it's really – it's not about the takedowns. It's about – what style of takedowns? What are the takedowns that you're acceptable to? And uh, if you look at Michelle Pereira, when he's fighting these strikers, he's taking, he's using his wrestling. Uh, when he fought Andre Fialo, he landed 107 strikes, landed a takedown. When he fought Nico Price, another striker, he landed three takedowns, 92 significant strikes. When he fought Chaos Williams, another striker, he took him down two times, 44 significant strikes. Uh, when he fought Zaleem, uh, 88, 88 significant strikes, one takedown, one sub. So it's just like uh, when he fought, when he lost to Tristan Conley, he had two takedowns, uh, got outstruck in that one. That was the historical fight where he was doing the backflips and the dumb shit. But um, I think the value here is on Michelle Pereira uh, only because with the karate stance of Stevie Wonderboy Thompson, that leaves the single leg takedown wide open. And if you look at Pereira's takedowns, they're not like the Khabib, the Dagestanian style. I'm going to push you up against the fence. I'm going to try to grind you out, take you down, rip you down to the ground, cross up your legs. It's more of like, hey, you want to throw that leg out there? I'm more than enough, I'm more than enough happy to grab it. And uh, I think that's what he does here, man. I think he wrestles here. I think this fight's more than greasy. Uh, this fight's going to the judges' scorecards. I mean, look at the over-under on this one. The over-under on this one, over two. Two and a half, minus one eighty-five, the highest over/under on the whole card this weekend. And you're telling me you want me to lay chalk on Stevie Wonderboy Thompson at, at a fight that could go to the judges' scorecards, and anything can happen? I mean, wouldn't this be the spot where Michelle Pereira kind of could get built up, or Stevie Wonderboy keeps on getting the Ws? I don't know what the narrative here for the UFC is for this fight, so hence why I didn't go to the betting window with this one. But man, I the plus three and a half on Michelle Pereira at minus one ninety just seems like a free W. Like I, I don't, I don't see him getting you named decision here. I think there's going to be a close contested battle for 15 minutes. I think the takedowns are going to is what makes the difference. But if he does not shoot for a takedown and this is a contested battle for 15 minutes on the feet, he's losing. So that's the reason why I can't go to the betting window. Cause I'm betting in the ifs I, and, Last week, man, the ifs killed me, man. If Molly McCann wins and doesn't get submitted, I win a lot of money. That's not what happens. I think so with not the, the I think with the Weidman move down to North Carolina, I think um, adding that and there's a lot of guys that have followed him and trained down there. It gave Wonder Boy a lot more looks. He's pretty much side by side with him for a long time. Um, although you look at the wrestlers that have taken him down, they're actually they're they're getting him up against the fence. They're chain wrestling him and taking him down and, and running that more aggressive, higher level um, takedowns. I just don't see I, I don't see Pereira closing the distance on him enough. And I do see him actually potentially getting the takedown in the first. I think even Wonder Boy's game plan could be, yeah, man, come take me down for the first first round. Give up a round. Let him gas the fuck out and then piece him up for two rounds. I mean, I, I know you obviously don't want to give up a round, but I, I don't think he's as worried about the takedowns. He's been shown that he can scoop back to the cage, get back to his feet. Um, and, and, you know, circle off and get back to striking as well, too. I know the Kevin Holland thing, Kevin let it up, Kevin let it up. I mean, Kevin really, with his size and everything else, and, and you know, the well-roundedness of his game, he should have actually won that fight. But, um, yeah, man, I just think Thompson is a side, but I do see the spread because I really think Thompson could give up a round. He's done it in the past to sort of watch and see what's going on or to get into – he needs to get hit a couple times in order to, to sort of get into a, a rhythm. So I see the, the dog side of it, but I just think he's going to win a decision victory. Um, and I do think that, uh, you know, he could give up the first round. So the spread, that's why I like the playing it that way and sort of playing both sides of the coin on it. Um, it's a little bit of a hedge spread. It covers uh, quite a bit. So I think that's uh, the best way to do it. And, and 
with both you guys on either side, or at least appearing to be on the other side of things, I think I'm, I'm on the right path. So um, three good looks. Let's dig into another one. What is, who's the next spot? I think it's Nick's got the next spot on the card. Yeah, so I want to hit you guys with a dog, man. I'm high on Chiesa in this spot. I have been since this fight got announced. I wish I was getting a little bit of a better, a better line on it. But Michael Chiesa, man, like he reminds me of Aljamain Sterling in the sense that people just love to talk shit on him. But he he wins, man. Like he's not keep in mind he's not coming off like a huge win streak. But like he's just one of these guys, man. He's a grinder, he's a dog. Kevin Holland's always had issues whenever it comes to the wrestling. And this is a tailor-made fight for him. Chiesa isn't the type of guy that's coming in here and just getting demolished in all his fights. Even in the striking realm against Vicente Luque, like he wasn't looking half bad. Like he was popping that jab. Like he didn't look terrible against a decent striker. Now, obviously, he didn't win that fight, but you know, he's just one of these guys, man. And I think with Kevin Holland, I think the whole showboating thing, if you look at it back as fight against Thompson, like that was some of the worst fight IQ ever. He literally took Thompson down and, st- and stood up and was like, let's have a striking battle in a fight he clearly wasn't winning. So I think this is Chiesa all day, man. I think he's going to be able to get him down, get his back, probably submit him. And I just like him in the spot, man. Like I said, like I just – Kevin Holland, man, he's just – I love the guy, but he's like Nate Diaz and those kind of fun-style fighters where you love them, but you can't trust them to win, man. Yeah, Kevin Holland scares the shit out of me when it comes to betting on him because whenever you back him, like that's the kind of stuff that comes into play and you're like – what the fuck are you doing? You're holding your hair or what I have left of it. They're talking um, to Dana White, yelling at Daniel Cormay, being like, teach yeah. me how to wrestle. Like- I mean, Chiesa's shown fight IQ issues as well, too, when he fought Luque. But at the same time, the same token, I think don't think he's a guy that's going to continually show fight IQ issues. I think he made a mistake. And I think he learns from the mistake. And he has been a well-rounded guy that has been able to mix in, um, you know, enough striking to get his takedowns. I mean, he lands about 3.39 in his last five. Um, so he's going to be out there shooting takedowns nonstop. And um, I, I, what's the line currently sitting at for the dog value? Uh, plus 130. Now, I'll turn this over to Billy. Billy, could you see this one potentially going the distance and maybe looking at another spread play? I know I'm all over spread plays, but I mean, as a – Sort of a tailor back for some people if they're not fully on Kiesa? It's just a little, like, I'm with Nick. My initial lean was like, damn, this is a good Chiesa spot. Like, I always fake Kevin Holland with the wrestlers and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, something about Michael Chiesa's chin, I don't trust him. I want to bet the plus three and a half. So when you think about this fight and you think how this fight plays out, and if Michael Chiesa won, it would be by unanimous decision, by him wrestling, throwing enough strikes to cover the judges' scorecards. But then we look at the plus three and a half on the spread. It's only minus 120. They're not really – they're basically trying to bait you into taking that. Tell, tell, that tells me that Kevin Holland is probably going to knock him out, man. I really do, man. I, I, I don't know, man. It's just this gut feeling I, I know, have. Man. I was, I was joking around with uh, – No, no, you, this is your spot. You continue. No, I was going to say, Chiesa's only loss by KO was a cut to Joe Lozo. I understand, but, man, I don't know, man. Something about my gut feeling about Kevin Holland. But you also know I'm for the culture. I mean, we talked about it in DMs. I said Kevin Holland, the last fight with the uh, cornrows on the one side, with the afro on the other, walking out the NBA young boy. I mean, dude, you would never think that would happen inside a UFC octagon on any card with Donald Trump in the arena. So uh, I always have a little special spot in my heart for Kevin Holland, but from a betting perspective, I'm right there with Nick. This is dog or pass situation scenario, but something in my gut, man, tells me that um, this could just be a weird fight, man. But out of the dogs that are on the main card, I want to see where on the pay-per-view, especially for pay-per-views, you have to see where the public dogs are coming in. And uh, I'll talk about one of my spots, and uh, that's one of my dogs on the main card tonight. Well, you know what? Without further ado, take it away. Yeah, this is the spot that uh, is either going to be crucified or I get put in the Raptors for MMA betting history. Taking a shot. Um, Taking this this Tony Ferguson. This is a a three-piece. Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green, over two and a half rounds, minus 155. Fight goes to split decision at plus 250. And Tony Ferguson wins by split or majority decision. Everybody in their moms is going to parlay Bobby Green, a.k.a. Bobby King now, 
Bobby Kane. But Ferguson, in the midst of this worst streak of his career, he hasn't had his hand raised in over four years. But, man, I mean, Bobby Green is a below in the UFC. isn't on the level of Tony Ferguson's losses. His losses are to Oliveira, Chandler. Green doesn't have the submission skills of Nate Diaz or Charles Oliveira. If Ferguson can go to the distance with Oliveira and Darius, he should last 15 minutes in there with Bobby Green. Bobby Green, besides Jared Gordon's freaking head clash, he isn't knocking out people and stuff like that. Uh, this is death taxes. Bobby Green goes to the judges' scorecards. So we're getting a lot of value here. Over two and a half is a little bit chalky at minus 155. Fight goes to split decision, plus 250. Tony Ferguson wins by split majority decision, plus 500. When's the last time you've seen a fight line? as low as plus 250 for the fight to go to the decision. Those are usually like plus 350, 400 and up. And that's at plus 250. The bookies are saying, hey, don't be surprised when this is going to be greasy. And this is the spot on the parlays. Everyone's parlaying up that Bobby Green, uh, Ishmael Bonfine. That's the two-leg parlay everybody's going with. That's the fire of people's parlays tickets this week when they have Bobby Green on there because Tony Ferguson's going to get that hand raised and it's going to be like, what? What the fuck? Sal Diamato again? We said it here on the Don't Tap podcast. Tony Ferguson wins by split or majority decision plus 500. Fight goes to split decision plus 250. And my one of my favorite spots on the board. Fight goes over two and a half rounds, minus 155. Bobby Green, death taxes, you name decisions. Yeah, honestly, I, I agree, man. Because like, if you look at Tony Ferguson's... I wasn't going to put Tony Ferguson as a spot just because... A lot of vulnerability there, but his losses, Justin Gaethje went five rounds with him. Charles Oliveira is a hammer under two and a half, went the distance with him. Benil Dariush pretty much laid on him. That is what it is. Mocha Chandler, Tony Ferguson arguably won the first round. And even in ATS, he, he was relatively competitive in that fight in a card that's probably the biggest disaster in UFC history with all three main event car, uh, fights getting switched around. So it's... It's not that Tony Ferguson has looked bad. He's just facing a higher level competition than what he's at. And that's why I agree, man. I think you're getting a lot of value on Ferguson. I don't know how you could parley Bobby Green like this. Because there's a couple fighters on this card. You know, you're talking about Michelle Pereira, Kevin Holland. Bobby Green's in that boat too, man. His showboating does nothing for the judges. They don't give a shit. So when he's there, like, tapping his legs, putting his hands up, pretending, like, putting his hands behind his back, and... Ferguson just elbows him in the face. Like, like Ferguson isn't going to play around that, man. Ferguson's super serious, trains out a big bear, man, in the woods with nobody around. He's got no time for the antics that Bobby Green's going to bring. So I, I don't necessarily say I like Ferguson in the spot, but I definitely see it. I mean, if you look at anybody like, at a high-level spot fighting Bobby Green, you look at a potential to do a split decision if he's going to stand with him because the guy fights in such close fights. He has that boxing style slipping, but he also sells it to the judges. When he gets hit, he shows the judges. He's like, oh, yeah, look, I got hit. Oh, look, I got hit. And he literally, like, he sells it. He shows it to them because he gets frustrated or whatever he's doing. It's a bad habit, and it's something you got to try to work out in sparring. And he needs to try to – like, that's just something that doesn't work. Like, you, you basically just tell the judges, I, I got touched. So if he's going to fight a close close fight, he doesn't really finish anybody. He finished Eli Quinto, who was selling him a house right before they stepped in the cage together. So, I mean, I, I sort of see it, man. I, I see it. It's, it's a greasy spot. I think there's value on it. I think that people are looking at Ferguson as getting finished as, as potentially why they're really leaning Bobby Green heavy. And Bobby Green could end up, you know, he might mix in a takedown or two. But, I mean, I wouldn't want to do that because I think that Ferguson on the ground is a little bit of a problem. And on the feet. Um, Ferguson could end up stealing moments, right? Like he's not going to be as volume heavy as, as as Bobby King or Green or whatever the fuck his name is now, but he is definitely going to potentially land a big elbow, cut him open. He is going to potentially land a big shot. Like this, this, these things could happen. It even could be a good live bet spot as well too, depending on how that first round plays out. If Ferguson doesn't get close that distance enough, and and Green sort of edging in the in the, in the scorecards, but I don't know, man. I, I'm with you on that. I think that uh, Ferguson is definitely a side. I'll be looking at uh, potentially a spread as well too, but. Um, I'm with you guys on that. I think it's uh, it potentially could go over and I could go to the decision. Two high-level guys fighting. Um, when there's not a disparity in that level, I just think, think you could see... Uh, also want to note that Ferguson has a five-inch reach advantage, which could play a major factor in this fight as well. Interesting. 
good uh, good thing that I mean we were looking last week at Feely. Um, he was popping that jab. We had that five inch reach advantage and, and was utilizing it well at points. But um, it all comes down to how well Tony Ferguson wants to use it. Um, if he can use his distance, and then when he does close the distance, close with some elbows, it could get very interesting, man. Because Bobby Green, when he looks bad, he looks bad. So um, I definitely like the spot. I think it's a, a sharp spot. I'm going to come in with my spot, and I think that um, a lot of people are, are looking at the line. It's pretty wide right now, but it's going to be a future line that comes out. Unless one of you guys can throw it out there. Billy, you seem to have spreads already up here in Canada. We don't have shit. Um, at least I couldn't see anything. And I'm going to be looking to a sub on, on Miranda Maverick, potentially. Sub decision, but then sub as well, too. I'll start with what the pick is. But if you look at Miranda Maverick, I think some people might um, come in with some love on Cashware on this one because they're fading her because of how she got bullied by our girl, Jasmine, Jazz the Vicious. But I think that Jasmine's just bigger. She's able to, you know, she was actually able to outbox her and do her thing. But I think the threat of the wrestling was why Jasmine was able to land the way she wanted to. And Maverick had no answer. When Maverick can't take you down, Maverick doesn't traditionally win. Um, and you're not taking Jasmine down, right? So with Cashware, though, on the other hand, she, she that lady likes getting taken down quite a bit. Um, if you look at it, um, Jillian Robinson took it down once, but that's all she needed. Uh, Luana Caroline took it down three times. Molly McCann took it down two times. And Valentina Shevchenko took her down two times as well, too. These are all in losses. All of her losses have come when she faces someone that takes a grapple-heavy approach and takes her down. I know I'm not telling you anything that you, maybe you don't know. The line's really wide for a reason. But I think some love's going to come in potentially on Cashware as we go into it. And that'll just maybe potentially help out the subprop as well, too, and or an angle on this fight. Um, but I just really like looking at um, that potential for that sub. I think that, you know, two of uh, two of – um, the four losses that she has in the UFC are by sub on the Cashwara side. It's there, man. It's there to be had. And I think that because Maverick only has one sub at this level, um, we might get value on it. So what is the line right now currently? If you do have a sub prop on Maverick, I think it's there to be had. Yeah. Sub decision sub is also prop not- on Miranda Maverick is plus 145. They don't have the double chances mm, out yet. They know. The decision prop is plus 200. But um, one worry about Miranda Maverick here for me in this spot is uh, – I don't think it's going to come into play, but it is a red flag. She is taking this fight on short notice in Salt Lake City. We talked about the cardio being a problem. I don't I, – I mean, the way Miranda Maverick has looked in the past, I mean, Miranda Maverick's my girl, but uh, when she looks bad, she looks bad. When she fought Jasmine Jessica, oh, my God. Did she? She looked bad, but that's a wrestler versus a wrestler. So uh, I don't think that would be as big as concern. Um, I'm looking to parlay at Miranda Maverick, uh, but that would be like the second to third line. I'm looking for two clear spots, maybe another money line spot that's closer towards like a straight bet. And then Miranda Maverick with maybe maybe a spread or something like that to end out the night. I think the two leg, the three legs are going to be uh, money in the bank this week, but um. Man, you just got to avoid the parlay shitters, but I don't think Miranda Maverick's going to be a parlay shitter this weekend. Fuck Priscilla. Catcher. It's funny you say that about the cardio, too, because that is something that I did. I was sort of like trying to do a walkthrough. Like, what if she does start to gas a little bit? And I think that just because the takedowns will be so easy, I think she's going to be able to get top position at times and be able to sort of just labor on top and be able to. I think you know, she could knock her, her out. Her I think she can. I think she can knock her out ground and pound top position. I. I that's, that's just. I don't know, man. I mean, who knows? That could be a crazy-ass game plan because she doesn't want to deal with late-round cardio. But, Nick, what, what were you thinking, man? I think this is a fight that you live bet, man. I don't think there's a good way to take this from a straight bet perspective because at the end of the day, if Miranda Maverick goes in there and shoots a takedown and she doesn't get it, I'm going to fucking hammer Priscilla live because on the feet, I think Priscilla beats the shit out of her. Miranda Maverick is not somebody who likes getting pressured. We've seen that time and time again in every single loss that she has, that the second she's on her back foot, she is lost. And if that fight stays standing, that's exactly where she's going to be. There's a very real world, and the line reflects it, that she's going to come in there, double leg her, throw her on her ass, and, you know, do what she's got to do. But if that doesn't happen, man, this fight gets really greasy real quick. We saw last week, man, with Molly McCann, where that was literally, like, um, whatever her name is, Solarianko's only win in the UFC was against Jessica Rose Clark, who isn't in the UFC anymore. And time and time again, man, women's MMA has come back to screw your fucking tickets. So I think I didn't see that angle coming. I didn't, I honestly, I I, I knew it was there on the table, but uh, I thought Molly McCann in her fucking camp for fucking six months would be a little bit smart enough to train that. But uh, her and Shauna Bonin, 
yo, you two can't fucking train with each other anymore. Molly Meatball and Shauna Bannon, they look fucking horrible. What fucking training session rooms are they fucking having? Like, both of them. What the fuck? Maybe there's more so, than we know. So the cap out this one, I think, honestly, if we look at it, I think Maverick, when she plays a wrestling game and it's against the world competition who, who's there to be taken down, um, I just think that's the play. And I think that with Kachuera being taken down by Molly twice, Sipchenko twice, I'll just reiterate it, Luana Karolina three times, and Robertson, I just don't know if the stand-up's going to be enough um, to make a difference. I think you're going to see a lot. It could be a boring decision all the way to the end, or it could I be a late, know, a late sub. Maverick. Um, KO is 750. That does not make sense. Why is she plus 750 to win by knockout? That's nothing but a ground and pound from her getting that's eight value. takedowns. Like, I agree I, with I just, that, man. That's, that's value, value, man. You look at the second round knockout, 20 to 1. Uh, for her to win by knockout round one, 16 to 1. You could play the knockout round props and still bet the submission prop and have the money line in the parlays and be up money. Like that's that's the way you bet MMA. You don't need to bet MMA by taking straight money lines. I'll give you a prime example. Mick Parkin last last week. I was a little bit scared off the money line. You know what I did? I put 30 bucks on him inside a distance, put 30 bucks on his decision prop. I thought it'd be more than likely if he wins, probably be by decision, but I want to cover my bases with inside the distance. It's okay to have a losing ticket if the other ticket's a bigger winner at the end of the day, as long as the yeah. money's in your pocket. Who cares? For sure. It's just um, for me, it's like how many times like we see like, oh, this girl's definitely gonna win. Like, I feel like the story of the week with MMA is people complaining on Twitter that they bet women's MMA. Like, it's just this constant cycle that we just fucking keep putting our toes in the fire, being like, oh, this girl's definitely gonna win here. And then it's like I'm gonna I be real honest with you. Go back and look at Tate on every women's MMA fight that I've picked since Billy's jumped on board and, and work out my record. Um I'm I'm digging into these fucking lines and looking at this tape, especially on the women's MMA. I see these lines. Vieira, uh, yeah, I didn't get the sub. That's where I I could have I overextended myself and lost. Still hit the money line at this shitty minus one ninety. I get it. How it, it went down to the minus one fifty. Um, on this one, I'm gonna sort of jump into the sub, but at the same time, um, and or maybe just inside the distance to sort of take Billy's what Billy's saying in, into account as well too. But if we're looking at um, the parlay that I put out there, we have. Kopilov, Maverick, and Thompson, plus 187. The value may have dripped off a little bit. Uh, check what the value is, but it's going to be around there, plus 187. That was a parlay that I had put out, and that'll be something that I'll, I'll continue to put out throughout the week, um, as long as it has value anyways. And then uh, for you guys, let's take a look. Is there one more line out there, or we have we all hit our spots? I'm pretty good, man. It's a lot of changes in fights and stuff like that. I think we all covered a lot of good spots on this one. I got one so, more spot on the card. Ever. Um, this is a late added fight. Did some uh, tape studying for this. And uh, this is my favorite prop of the whole entire card this weekend. Um, under two and a half, Darius Flowers, Jake Matthews. Holy shit, man. Looking into these two boys, Darius Flowers is – he just get when he loses, he gets finished. All of his losses – Five losses are all inside the distance. You can watch them on YouTube, and they're not good. So he went out there in his uh, contender series fight, got lucky with a shoulder injury in the first round. Jake Matthews, on the other hand, I mean, how many times is Jake Matthews going to make the walk inside the octagon, and they're trying to build up a UFC prospect? How many fights do you do you fight 14 fights in the UFC and you're still considered a prospect? Because that's the situation here for Jake Matthews. I mean, Jake Matthews, you you got to smell the roses here. If they're giving you a short notice, late replacement, debutante, the only person on the whole entire card that's making their debutante is Darius Flowers this weekend. Mr. Matthews, if you don't knock this man out or submit him, you should be cut from the UFC. And if Darius Flowers wins, he is going to knock out Jake Matthews. Chinny, chin, chin, chin. It, it's beyond chalky, but uh, favorite spot of the card, man, for props this week. I think there's a lot of different ways you can make money on the inside of distance props on this fight. Uh, it's just, it, this has no distance written all over it. 
I honestly think Darius Flowers is kind of live in the spot. I did a little bit of tape study in this fight prior to coming on. And I just think with Jake Matthews is he's going to leave himself open for opportunities. Darius Flowers knows that it's going to be probably one round or bust for him. And Jake Matthews just worries me, man. Like his fight IQ isn't that good. I think we all put so much stock into him after the ass beating he laid on Andre Fialo. And it turns out Fialo really wasn't what anybody expected him to be. And, um, I don't rate Jake Matthews that high, man. I feel like this line's going to get steamed. And if there's a Darius Flowers round one KO or round one finish for that matter, I might take it. Like, I agree with Billy. I think there's no way this fight goes the distance. And I think Darius Flowers is live in the first. And I think that Jake Matthews is live in the second and the third. Just because I think Jake Matthews are probably a little calculated. Like, he knows that Darius Flowers is going to go for broke. It's in every single one of his fights. Like, the guy pretty much runs at you from the get-go. So, yeah, man, violence is definitely the way. Man, you're looking for a parlay piece. That's probably the one. Yeah, I, if you look at that, I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it at all. I think Matthews is disappointed at times, but also, you know, shown at times as well, too. And there could be a levels thing here. And if Flowers does come in with that, you know, if you listen to both of you guys, or you're breaking that down, if Flowers does come in with that sort of all-or-nothing approach, um, it plays right into both your hands as well, too, either way. Um, so I like the play, smart, sharp play. Um, we'll finish off with just sort of a pick. It may be if you want to sort of touch on what it is for the main event. Um, so we got Dustin Poirier against Dustin Gaethje. Um, I'm just going to go with boxing and history, and and I'm going to go with the man, Dustin Poirier. I know what's the line currently sitting out right now? In minus 160 on FanDuel, uh, minus 150 in some spots, minus 155 in the uh, – this is a – I was shocked at the totals for this fight. I'll talk about that later. But, man, the totals for this fight make no sense. Well, what's the totals? What is it? Uh, for a five-round fight for the BMF belt, the over-under here is set at two and a half at minus 135 towards the over. Man, I I, I see this going to the third, fourth, fifth round, man. I, I, I would be shocked if we see an early finish. I get it. These two, two boys are going to swing for the fences. I mean, it's the Justin Gaethje fight. It's, it's always – Tara betting overs on Justin Gaethje fights, but I'm telling you, man, you would have betted overs on Justin Gaethje in his last couple of fights. Man, Justin Gaethje by decision against, uh, fuck, I forget who Fazeev. off the top of my head, but Fazeev. Fazeev, Fazeev. Dude, you must have got so much plus money out of that. I mean, uh, Justin Gaethje is adorable son of a gun. Dustin Poirier is adorable son of a gun. This is for the baddest motherfucker belt for a reason. This shit's going to hit the judges' scorecards. And uh, let the best man win, or it's going to go late into the third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, that's why I'm so confident in the Alex Pereira co-main event under and him knocking him out, because this one's going over. We're going to see a barn burner here. Man. I can't wait for it. Uh, I side with Gaethje, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I think with I think with Dustin Poirier, I don't want to say he's on a decline in his career because nothing's necessarily suggested that, but I think this is the fight where we kind of see him take a progression or take a step back. I think Justin Gaethje showed so much improvement in that physique fight. His fight IQ was on point. The way he was calculated with the strikes, everything. Didn't engage in a firefight. You know, the first round didn't look that good for him, but like the way he came out in the second and the third and just completely made a difference and uh, completely made a difference in that fight. And I think, you know, he's starting to listen to his coaches better and really implement his game plan. And I think we're going to see a much different fight than we saw in the first one. And I think um, Justin Gaethje gets his hand raised this weekend. And what that does is lean into what Billy's saying, because I think that Poirier has the better boxing. If anybody's going to get, you know, hold like finish someone early, it's going to be Poirier finishing Gaethje early. And if you think that Gaethje sort of leveled up a little bit or at least may take a little bit more of an IQ style approach to this fight, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go to over. It's going to be a boxing match that's going to lean to over, and, and both guys might end up being bloody and nasty and it's it, with a late finish, but both of you guys potentially cash. And I like the over on it. I think it's a, a sharp play as well, too. I think that uh, with both of what you guys are saying, there's an agreeable scenario there, and once again, we find a line. But at the same time, um, I'm not hating the Gaethje approach, but I think Corey's going to box the shit out of him. It's a high versatile fight, man. Very high versatile. But, but volatile, come on, man! I'm gonna, I'm, I gotta call you. I gotta call. I gotta call you out on that one. I gotta do it to you. I, I got nothing but love for you, though. <laughs> All right. Um, any other spots you guys could think of? Anything else that you're looking at on the card 
I think Gabriel Bonfine's probably more than likely going to finish Trevin Giles inside the distance. Officer Giles, man, it's time to wrap it up. You better call You better call your former employer and go get that cop job back because uh, you fighting in the UFC is no longer after this weekend. And um, I think that Derek Lewis fight could be a little bit greasier than what people are pretending it to be. Everyone thinks uh, Marcus Reggio de Lima is a lock of the week or something like that. Hey, we've seen how Derek Lewis fights. He likes those three round fights he knows he ain't got cardio for three i like derrick lewis second third round people are betting chalk against derrick lewis time and time again we've seen that fail and uh the last spot early prelim spot uh benicia salvador doing a little bit more research into this one i think he's a live dog against cj vergara cj vergara got very lucky in his last fight and uh benicia salvador we've seen him on the contender series whoo child he might have lost to victor altamirano by a split decision but, man, that contender series fight against Shannon Ross showed me something that he's a dog. He has that dog in him. He wants to win fights. And uh, that little taste in his mouth against Victor Altamirano, a fight that I thought he won in uh, San Antonio, I think he's going to come out here for vengeance, pay-per-view card. I think he beats CJ Vergara. That was this close to being a spread play with uh, Salvador, um, depending on I think that where the line is already. that definitely goes the distance. So I, uh, the spread play is definitely in play. So that may be a don't tap play. When I look back on it, there's a couple spots where we really we're, we're in agreement on. So I may put out my plays and then officially the three of our plays um, as a, a side as well too. Yeah, so I know you could do like a showboating parlay. You got Venetia Salvador. We saw that in his last fight. You got Kevin Holland and you got Bobby Green. You know, be the showboaters parlay. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a little uh, not not full team Brazil, but I'm looking at a little Brazil parlay this weekend. Of uh, yo, yo, we're rolling right now. We're not trying to come up with some gimmicky ass fucking shit. We, we don't need to do some gimmicky. Oh, ass. Hey, man, if, that's not, if you would have rolled with the Scottish parlay last week, Chris, I know you're right. Craig, you are we right. And the Canadian parlay, right? The Canadian. Whenever Canadian I'm bi- on a biased side, you gotta. That is one thing you guys got to pay attention to. I don't always back, like, Paul Craig I've not backed many, many times. But if I'm going to back him because I'm biased for him, like, I'm obviously putting my neck out there, right? Like, so I'm seeing some. Anyways, I'm not going to keep digging into that. See, you're better than, not, than me, man. I'm not a capper. I'm a wannabe one. Like, that was my thing with that fight. I'm like, both these guys fucking suck. So instead of me being logical and t- talking to my boy who actually had an angle – I bet my knees at like plus 750 by KO because I was like, I fuck it. Paul Craig always gets KO. Oh, man. My knees, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, no. Bro, you get those beers flowing, man. Those plus 800 things that make no sense sometimes feel okay. a little bit well, better. Probably don't shoot the podcast after um, a Saturday night or a Friday night. That would be. Actually, maybe you come in with some crazy ass spots that went hit. Who knows? But um, in looking at it, what I want you guys to do just quickly. Just reiterate in like a quick clip your three spots, and then I'll do it. We'll go one after another. That way we can get it up quick. So uh, have it. Uh, take it away, Nick. You start. Matthew Semmelsberger minus one twenty. Um, Michael Chiesa is my second spot at plus one thirty. And my third spot I didn't do, but it was because it was as similar as yours. Is Stephen Thompson, who is currently sitting at. Right on the line right here. Uh, minus one ninety-five for Thompson. Yeah, well, that's what it says on topology. Well, yeah, I know he's because you can actually get him now at like I even saw minus one sixty on uh, minus on, that's changed. Minus one forty-nine is the best line. Minus one forty-nine. Oh, okay, I, I like it. Keep, I hope the money keeps coming in that way then. All right, um, and then for my picks, um, I was on Thompson. I know the line is moving drastically. Opened at like minus 220, 225 at its biggest in some books. It's moving down, as you're saying, to the minus 145. Um, I also like Pereira in that play as a spread, plus three and a half, because I do think he can mix in the takedowns. I do think he can make it a little bit greasy, but I just think that's sort of a Thompson fight. Thompson sort of – he outpoints guys later in fights, and, and I think maybe a takedown or two may lose him around, and I'm cool with that as a little bit of a hedge. So it's sort of an isolated fight play for me. Um, the next spot on the card would be sort of um, piggybacking off of what Billy was saying. I'm looking at Alex Pereira. I like the spread play. I like the plus three and a half. I think that Pereira could definitely, if it went to the decision, um, with some damage in a round, win a, win, win a round, and or if he gets a chance to clip with that weight, with no weight cut, man. 
that's interesting to see if he can knock out Jan. Um, so either or, I think the best value on that is the spread. Unless you're really heavy on the Pereira side, then obviously chase down the, the props and find value in the KO props or rounds or whatever it is. But for me, I do like that plus three and a half Pereira. I just think it covers two angles quite nicely. Um, Billy, take it away. Yeah, first by the card, man. I mean, I've been watching Alex Pereira knock out fucking heavyweights in the training room sessions for this kid. So scorecards, no actions for Alex Pereira, minus 120. Second spot, Tony Ferguson wins by split or majority decision, plus 500. And uh, favorite prop of the week, though, Darius Flowers, Jake Matthews, under two and a half rounds. Go give me some money, man. Uh, UFC Salt Lake City, baddest motherfucker, Alex Pereira. They put the two Pereiras back to back for a reason, baby. And then the other spot that uh, I did not mention was the Miranda Maverick. And I was going to try to dig out like sort of a sub prop, the sub prop right now, plus 145. I don't know if there's value for me there, maybe sub decision, um, but also Billy's looking at that KO. So it's got me sort of thinking. So the Maverick is definitely a, a way I'm looking at it. It's something I dug into quite a bit. Um, I'm going to have to find a, my angle on that and I will push that out there as fast as possible. But I did have the Kopalov. I did have the Thompson and Maverick. Uh, early parlay, the early lean parlay that I put out on Sunday at plus 187. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all of my spots. And then I know we had a couple extra leans and stuff that I'll put out that I already have, we already have clips. So there's a couple spots that we sort of agree upon, um, even maybe the Salvador spread and a couple of those things that we'll look at. Yeah, a lot of good money to be made this weekend, man. Make sure you guys bet responsibly. As always, we got a lot more cards to end out the summer, and uh, this is definitely going to be one of the better ones. So uh, do your actions correctly because it's baddest motherfucker season. I can't wait, man. That's going to be a banger. Nick? Yeah, man. This card is going to be absolute fire. Um, even that, man, I think it's one of those cards where you can pick your spots and just ride. They've lots of good fights, a lot that we didn't even talk about. You only got 12 fights compared to last week with 15. And um, all 12 fights on this card, man, they're all really good. So pick your spots wisely. There's obviously some dogs that are going to be able to come through. High versatile shit. And, you know, as Billy said, man, gamble responsibly and probably make it out on top this week. Now you're just now you're just trolling me, Chael Sonnen. Um, now you're just trolling me with with mispronunciations. You're trolling the shit out of me. I know you are. For Nick Eagle, for Billy Briz of Pub Sports Radio, I'm Callum McGregor. Tune into the Don't Tap podcast. <laughs>